I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this is Work Feels. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we work and live on and pay our respects to Indigenous elders past and present. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to the All Staff Email. This is where we discuss our pursuits of a better workplace and a better world and our hot tips for life. That's right. So, Edda, how was your week? Give, give us an update on mum life. Uh, how's, how's work going? So, we are up to month nine of Bryn's life. That means I have been a mum for nine months. Now, I do believe that... I have reached a point where I have been able to reflect on motherhood through a new lens. What I have realized is that for me, the first nine months of motherhood could be compared to being in an escape room where every minute you lose a few IQ points. So you for me, started off all right, could, could work out these challenges in this escape room that, yep, no problem. As time goes on, challenges are getting harder. And then you get to a point where you really just can't help yourself. You just have no brain cells left to problem solve your way out of the sleep, sleep deprivation mess that you find yourself in. So that was, that was my last week, realizing that I have run out of brain cells and I was, I was crawling into a corner, phoning a friend going, okay, someone lend me a brain cell or two and solve, my, solve me out of this. So that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm delegating the plans to other people that have brain cells and I'm just following the guide on how to basically get Bryn to sleep so that I can sleep, so that I can regain brain cells and start living my life again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sounds so fun. <laughs> yes. So we can definitely say that lack of sleep leads to a severe reduction in cognitive ability. <laughs> you could put it that way. I wouldn't have the brain cells to articulate it like that. What about yourself, Ryan? How are you? Oh, well, I've been, I haven't been looking after a baby, so I feel like I don't have much to complain about, but (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm, 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 I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I've had, I think I touched on my theory of like the massive decompression from my previous role. I've been at my new one for, we're getting close to, I think the three, May, June, July. Yes. We're getting close to a full three months in the new role. So I'm feeling like I think everyone always takes about six months to really feel like you're, you know, a part of a part of the team and you've like, you know, you've gotten familiar with all the processes and all, all of the office um all the office shenanigans and, you know, like remembering a hundred people's yeah, names and yeah. etc. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like the three month mark has been nice too. I've like done a smooth landing mm. from, and I feel like I'm on the ground from the decompression um, descent <laughs> from from thirty thousand feet of stress and anxiety. <laughs> um, 
But there was a few things that we did that have happened in work life recently that I thought was quite interesting that I want to share with the pod. Um, So we did a thing on this idea called rapid consensus. So this is a theory or like a framework you can use um, when you need to come up with some ideas um, to create pretty much anything. Um, But in the case where you have a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds with a lot of different ideas. It's really good for fostering a strong sense of unity around an idea and it really helps keep like those core values and ideas at the heart of the process when you're developing something. So essentially we were taken through these four stages. One, you discuss the current scenario. So pros and cons of what the current scenario is, what you're trying to fix. So say that's like the design of something, say that's uh, a framework or policy that needs to be redone. You basically, it's an opportunity to just like complain and basically say, I hate all these things. These things are good. These things are really bad. So just get all of that, all that venting out, just get it out on the table. Then everyone feels like they've had their say. Two, you then get people to talk about their dream scenario. So you basically ask anyone, say, look, sky's the limit. What are your ideas here to fix these problems or to create this thing or to to update this process? Three, you then start creating options from all these dream scenarios. So you begin to narrow it down um, and get a bit more realistic with people. And stage four, you then create actions to achieve these options. So the goal is to keep it very broad and also remain impartial if you're conducting the session. I found this super interesting. Um, And if you'd like to know more, we're going to put a link in our show notes to Waterfield Consulting. Uh, They're a New South Wales based consulting uh, company. Um, On their website, you can learn all about rapid consensus theory. I just thought it was super interesting. I love that. I really like the venting at the start because I think it's such a good way to start a meeting just to let everyone like get it off your chest and I think it even ties into psychological safety and creating that permission and encouragement around sharing of ideas, challenging the status quo, Um, yeah, that initial vent sesh, oh my gosh, big fan, big fan. And also on a lighter note, um, Barbie mania. <laughs> I tell you, have you seen Barbie? The world is pink. I have seen Barbie. I saw it last. Oh night. my gosh! Okay, tell me, what is it? How is it? Tell me everything. It is amazing. It is also Margot Robbie. Oh, wow. You're just amazing. Okay, I've heard mixed reviews. Overall, good reviews, but I've definitely heard some mixed reviews. I okay. I thought it was great. Overall, I, I get where the I can see already without us even talking about it where the criticisms lie. I totally get that. Number one, it's not a children's movie okay. at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the narrative behind it and the message behind it is like relatively quite adult. Uh-huh. Like it's essentially about the patriarchy and how it's just like backwards in Barbie world and. Barbie goes to the real world and discovers how awful the real world is. I thought it was funny. It was fabulous. It was a little bit dark at times with some of the themes. And I bet it was also very camp. Like the costuming and the sets are just like 
wow. Uh And I don't know what it is. So I've had this thought in my head. What is it about Barbie that has the entire world so excited? We had Barbie drinks at work on Friday. (laughs) It was so fun. I wore my light up pink cowboy hat and my fluffy pink jacket. And I brought them in for Sergio as well, my work bestie. We did the whole table up in like Barbies and like stupid poses. And it's just, it's like transcendent. I think I read an article that said there was over a thousand collaborations that Barbie did with other brands to basically bring Barbie to life and productize it in store all over the place. But I have a feeling that we're going to be pretty tired of pink very soon. Don't want to be a downer, yeah. but I'm just feeling like I'm like I think it's been very interesting, and I nearly bought a hot pink dress, but I just thought I think if this goes on any longer, I will vomit if I see more pink. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder like how do we get people to care about climate change as much as they care about Barbie? Oh you know? yeah, the million dollar question, Ryan. So, team, here are a few articles that have caught our attention in the past few weeks. First one is that a Canadian court has ruled that the emoji thumbs up can be a contractual agreement. The future is now. Well well done, Canada. I think that's so funny. Can you imagine just, like, texting back a thumbs up? And they're like, all right, well, no, you said yes. Serving you the papers. I said... <laughs> I sent an emoji. So, listeners, be very careful sending emojis at work. Um, You might be signing on the dotted line with a good old thumbs up. And also, how many times have you accidentally sent a thumbs up? Right. Or how many times have you accidentally react, like, incorrectly to someone's Mm. thing? Like, you can make, like, a laughing reaction is right next to, like, the thumbs up. Oops. (laughs) So, instead of, like, agreeing with someone, you're like, bah, ha, 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 your point's (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) You're like, oh God, no, I didn't mean that. (laughs) Are you a big emoji person when you communicate with with colleagues? Yeah, I'm a big emoji person because I think you lose so much in the virtual communication world that I do feel like I need to pair everything I say with my emotion so that people know where I'm at. Yes. But uh, yeah, I guess I think I'm, I'm all for emojis having the same standing as words but I do feel that the mechanism of typing that sending that is so easy and so can be so accidental that I feel like it's almost not quite fair because you could just say I didn't mean to send that and that would be quite a legit situation yeah fully I don't know if I agree with this Canadian court I think it's a bit of a harsh ruling to say that a thumbs up is um, equivalent to saying yes I Ryan, agree to. (laughs) Doesn't really make sense. Emojis are really great, as you said, for uh, communicating tone, particularly at work. Sometimes I think when I get, even when I get emails or something or messages, I'm like, could you not have popped just a smiley face into that? Like, God. (laughs) How rude. (laughs) 
Okay, team. So in the US, there's been new laws come out over AI bias in hiring tools. So ensuring that AI tech when in hiring decisions is not having racist or sexist biases. So this law says that companies have to let employees and future employees know if they're using an AI tool in hiring and and then people can request what data their AI tool is processing. So it's creating a bit more transparency around hiring and the use of AI tools in hiring, which is great. Speaking of, during the week at work, I had a super um, (laughs) interesting tool that a colleague used in a meeting. Um, It's called Semply. So you can add it to your Microsoft Teams and maybe Zoom as well. Um, But if you're doing a video call, this little AI bot, and it actually came into the chat of the meeting when we started. And it was like, this is Semply, your AI meeting notes recorder. And I was like, what? And yeah, it, it, so it listens to your whole call and then it will generate a full um, transcript of your meeting. And not only that, it will generate proper meeting notes. So you never have to do meeting notes again. Like no joke, it summarized I love that. All, of the, all of the key points and it even prioritized things. Just taking it from the tone and how the meeting went. And if anyone used the word like priority, it put those things at the top of the to and it created a to-do list. Amazing. From meeting notes. I was like mind blown. So it's called Semply, if anyone wants to look it up. Um, very, very cool. Highly recommend. We'll put the link in the show notes. So a couple of weeks ago, I heard about a test called the Highly Sensitive Person Test, which I thought was quite interesting because I consider myself to be quite a sensitive individual. I cry often. Uh, I cry out of happiness and I cry from sadness and I can be annoyingly sensitive about certain things, at least... (laughs) Um, according to my partner. For example, if we walk into a restaurant, I am very picky about the table that we sit at, the lighting. Is it too noisy? Is it too close to the bathrooms? Are there bins nearby? Is it close to the kitchen? All of these things I consider and I will basically do a lap of the room and say that's the table that we need to sit at if it's available. Uh, And my partner is like, this is crazy. Why are you so picky? Anyway, so the highly sensitive person test, I Googled this and I found a, a link where you can take this test and I did the test and it turns out, no surprise, I am a highly sensitive person. Uh, <laughs> there are, I think there are about 24 questions on this test and you have to score mm-hmm. at least 14. So um, I got 16. 16. Oh my yeah. God. So that was really interesting. And then when I thought about um, the people that I know that are sensitive that might like to do this test... Um, Uh, The first person that came to mind was you. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that, Edda? What are you talking about? I just Um, feel like you would be with me in the restaurant trying to pick pick out the best table. Oh, 100%. Like, if I walk into a restaurant, I'm like, right, let's analyse the entire room, every human being inside, the decor, the smells, where the (laughs) bathrooms are, the lighting... Hey, is there too much of a breeze? Like, I'm a walking nightmare when it comes to <laughs> picking a table somewhere. <laughs> you know, 
I feel like in my in in my old age, I've I've learnt how to um, tone these things down sometimes. <laughs> no, that's um, cool. We yes. can sit at that table near the toilets. It's no, totally cool. cool. I'll just yeah. be really annoyed the whole time. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, look, listeners, Edda is definitely correct. Um, I'm probably one of her most highly sensitive friends. I also cry often, but I won't cry in. Um, I won't cry in front of people that often. My mm-hmm. body seems to be like, <gasps> like, mm-hmm. no, we're not, no, we're not doing this in front of, but for instance, I nearly cried in the Barbie movie. So <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when Margot has all these amazing, like the final scene, I got a little, um, a little dewy eyed. It was quite cute. Um, so yes, I'm an extremely highly sensitive person. Um, and some of those questions I just wanted to touch on, they're kind of funny, but then they're like, when, as I was reading them, when you sent me this test, I was like, far out. There's a lot of crap that affects me. Um, so (laughs) it's like, and so the premise of this listeners is that I think understanding and having more awareness of this you can kind of apply that to how you work and whether it's the way you work or the type of environment you work in and I also think taking away some of the stigma around it it's like no I'm not just a snowflake this actually makes it really hard for me to do my job Mm, (laughs) like and if I improve these very subtle things to other people they make a huge difference to me Yes. And like, why not? Like, we shouldn't just be like, oh, get over it or deal with it or you're a snowflake. Like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Highly sensitive. (laughs) Um, So some of the questions were, I'm easily overwhelmed by strong sensory input. I'm aware of subtleties in my environment. Other people's moods affect me. Sensitive to pain. Yep. Hands up there. Um, particularly sensitive to the effects of caffeine. I'd say that's a no for me. It's very mental. So, like, I need my coffee in the morning, like when I wake up <laughs> and my mid-morning, but I can probably have an espresso shot and just go to sleep. <laughs> I'm I'm the opposite there. I can have coffee and feel like I am drunk at work at 10 a.m. <laughs> I'm sitting at my desk <laughs> Spinning in the best way possible. Like not a bad spinning, just in like this floating through the workplace and just feeling amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I I wish caffeine had that intense of an effect on me, but it definitely helps me. Um, One of the questions I really liked as well that I was like, it's, it's a very legit thing and I think being aware of it definitely helps is that my nervous system sometimes feels so frazzled that I just have to go off by myself. I can 100% identify with that in circumstances where I've been in so many offices where I'm like, I just wish there was like a freaking room where it was quiet. Like, because I've worked in open plan Mm. offices my whole life. And I've never worked somewhere that has like quiet working zones, which is super popular now in new workplace design. Um, It's like almost a a no brainer that you provide quiet working areas Mm. because sometimes I like I felt so overwhelmed. I've got so much to do. I need to delegate so many things. I just need to get away from everyone because everyone and everything and all the loud conversations and all of the external stimuli is literally sending me insane and I can't focus Mm. 
Yeah. Looking back, I've always just thought that I am a really difficult employee, that I'm really mm. difficult to please. I'm really difficult to hang on to because I am just so impacted by the physical workspace, the physical mm. elements, as well as leadership. You know, I'm just so sensitive to shitty leadership, basically. That's how... <laughs> Like, like, and then the, and the next person beside me is fine. You know, they're just like, oh, they're just telling you what to do. Just get on with your job. And I'm just and you're like, like, no, I no, can do they it could better. have said that differently. <laughs> and they could have stru- structured this much in a much nicer way. And they could have been much more inclusive and they could have th- been a lot more thoughtful. And <laughs> exactly. I yeah, just feel like completely. it's it's so hard to be a satisfied employee when everything feels like so upsetting (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and you would basically change everything which is basically me everywhere i go every room i walk into every place i've ever worked i can't help i can't help it but i mean i guess i just keep i like you keep a lot of it to yourself obviously but there are, I think, very positive if, listeners. If any of you identify as fellow snowflakes, um, there are definitely some positives, I think, that come out of being, I would also call it not only like hypersensitive, but almost like hyper observant. I think I've said this to you a lot during our, you know, uh, friendship since since the age of about 10 <laughs> that I've always whenever I do something or approach something I'm like hyper observant like I notice everything in a room I notice everything someone says but I think some of the positive things to come out of it is like it's not just you know wanting to change everything and and like thinking that we can do everything better But I think one of the points in the survey was when people are uncomfortable in a physical environment, I tend to know what needs to be done to make it more comfortable, like changing the lighting or seating. Now, that's just like a very physical example. But I think people with similar personality types to us, you really, when you're you're hypersensitive, you really know how to make, how to accommodate for others and how to make other people comfortable. And you pick up on like very small social cues or behaviors or small environmental things around you. And you can create, I think, much more empathetic approach to to leadership and even like the way you design an, an office space. So I think there's a lot of great things to being a highly sensitive person. Yeah, I agree. I'm very happy that I'm a highly sensitive person because I think that it has really informed the way that I approach leadership and I think that I probably lead people almost on this unconscious assumption that everyone else is a highly sensitive person um, which yeah I, I, th- I think I probably have never realized that I do that but knowing now that I you know I probably am a little more sensitive than the average person then that makes a lot more sense that you know I just kind of project that onto others but I guess it's safer to treat people as more sensitive than less sensitive Um, but I actually looked up some of the most common job roles for highly sensitive people and uh, good old chat GPT came to the rescue and gave 10 of the most common jobs which I just thought I'd share so number one is counselor therapist two writer or an author three artist or designer 
for social worker, researcher or analyst, librarian, that was unexpected, Um, but apparently uh, HSPs' appreciation for knowledge and sensitivity to their environment can make them excellent librarians or curators. Uh, Another one is environmentalist, uh, teacher or educator, uh, healthcare professional, and the last one is a human resource specialist. So I think that um, aside from librarian, I feel like I've definitely dabbled in pretty much all of those roles. And if you feel like you might be a highly sensitive person and you want to learn a bit more about it, the first thing you can do is just take the test. It's free. It's online. It takes about 15 minutes. Um, If you're like me, uh, I went out to dinner with my whole family. We had pizza and everyone (laughs) got out their phones, did the highly sensitive person test around the dinner table. Makes for pretty good conversation. And also the percentage of people that are highly sensitive in the world is something like 20 to 30%. So if you are highly sensitive, um, you're not alone. There's a lot of us out there. All right, team. So our next episode coming up is going to be all about mental health at work. Um, This is a huge topic and I'm sure most, if not all, of you have had a experience at work and your mental health, that intersection there. If you have um, and you'd like to share it with us, please do um, send us a DM on socials um, or you can send us an email. We'd love to hear about your experiences. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple or Spotify. You can find us on IG at WorkFeelsPod or on LinkedIn, just search WorkFeels. Until next time, team. I'm Edda. I'm Ryan. And this is Work Feels.